one big one. Well, I have one little one. Do you know what it's like? Yeah, I do. And I'm okay. Look, before we get into it, because we will get into this, let me do my introduction. Hi, my name is Aquia Jampy, founder of the British Blacklist. My voice is so croaky today. I don't know what's. <laughs> I can't even clear it. My voice is so croaky today, but I'm very happy to be talking to a wonderful lady, which I can't believe we haven't spoken before, which is really annoying because life. But however, I'm going to let you introduce yourself because why do people always do that? Um, no, I don't, I don't know. For audio purposes, she bigged her eyes up. Like she was like, oh my God, what are we gonna do? Yeah, you introduce, cause you know why? I, and I say this on every podcast, it saves me the embarrassment of saying the wrong thing. Cause I looked on Wikipedia and we'll call you like a space astronaut when you've never been to space. And also it's how you, what, how you see yourself, what you describe yourself as. So please, my lovely that, lady, introduce that's yourself. Deep though. What if I'm like deeply insecure and I see myself as like... Then I will draw out everything from you. I will help you eke out your talents if you miss anything off the right. list. Okay, well, I'm Dominique Moore. I'm a human and, <laughs> no, sorry. I'm Dominique Moore and I am an actor, a mother, uh, a business owner, and um, that's it. I don't know. Well, that's it. But that is exactly it's the, what, that's the hardest thing in the world. I didn't like that question. It's so interesting because um, I've spoken to people. Who can I name drop? I think Pippa Bennett Warner. At, when I spoke to her and Aki about their film Real, either Aki or Pippa, one of them said just as they were talking about what they do. And I was like, I think we um, self depreciate a lot and we don't say it with our chest. That's not allowed. You're not allowed to like, you know, announce. Like you're not allowed. Like, I've got to be really humble about what I do, but it's oh, not. Yeah, and and bring myself down about it in the process. Yeah, no, we can't do this. We've got That's to. I've been taught. I Be Who did it? Who did it to you? The world. <laughs> <laughs> I get it though, because I'm the. But the thing is, I've got used to it. And I think also because I do. This is like sounds like plug central because I do a podcast called The Circle with um, Leon Main we started getting into this thing where we introduce, we add so many things to the, to the title. Cause like he says he's a carpenter just because he builds things from Ikea. So I'm like, oh, yeah, so literally I'm a carpenter too. When I add my skill sets. Oh, great. Okay. So I could. If you grow plants, you're what's it, a horticulturist. I struggle to keep plants and flowers alive. I'm like, I have to, you know, I've got child and he takes priority over all plants and <laughs> which, is, is, which would be fair um and I think legally proper yeah so I do struggle I love it when people give me gifts that are plants and flowers and and I, I love it and then I go oh the pressure I'm not a good plant person I want to be I aspire to be in my mind I am really good and plants love me and I talk to plants if I had more time I would do better but who has time in this busy, busy, busy media world? That's the thing, know? yeah. I'd love to find, you know, a plant that could kind of, you know, just get on with it itself. Cactus? Oh, no, I've, we've got one of those. I think it's dead <laughs> um, because it's gone brown. <laughs> literally, a cactus stores its water. You've literally neglected the cactus. <laughs> I can't even, but um, but Dominique, welcome. And it's so great to talk to you. And finally, are you a new mum? How old's Bubba? Old yeah, he'll be six on Sunday. Oh, he's so not a Bubba, but he is a Bubba. They always stay up, Bubba. Yeah, right. What's been the best thing about motherhood? Everything, but that could also be the hardest, the answer to the hardest thing, everything. 
I guess I don't know who I was as a person before I became a mum because when you become a parent you have to literally get to know yourself very quickly <laughs> and your values and your morals and your <laughs> you have integrity and um, you have to look at your own childhood and your your partner's childhood you it's like you know you have a mirror in front of you and you also have to keep a human alive um and <laughs> you go okay yeah okay here we go challenge let's do this I'm nodding emphatically because <laughs> everything like I was a younger mother 23 and I was presented with this situation where okay my whole world is upside down not what I planned but yeah that thing about them being a mirror to your whole soul and everything you hold dear or not dear yeah it's It's exposing yeah extremely exposing and also you have to then suddenly become really tough and be able to uh, manage the amount of judgment you get from every single person in the world everyone decides to tell you you know you should be doing like this have you thought about that I bet you're not doing that you need to do that why are you doing that and you've got to suddenly go well I've made these decisions because of this but you can't at first because you are a bit like I do need to get some input from other people but it's so hard because you just well I, per- I can't speak for everyone and I feel like a lot of my friends have gone through this you feel like everyone's judging you so then you just start to criticize yourself and then you doubt everything you're doing and then you feel like you're failing and you haven't even done anything (laughs) literally as long as your child is breathing at the end of the day and not you know that you've done your thing and it is what it is I mean I'm on the other side of it my child's 21 soon which I cannot believe wow Um, well done thank you and I do feel like pat on the freaking back for me because well done I mean I have stuck at the one and I put every piece of energy into making sure she stays on the right side of whatever the right side is yeah I've done a pretty good job so far but it is it is a challenge and especially being an industry mum or a businesswoman mum or you know just someone that's got goals because there were times when I really had the clash of my world mm-hmm. my intentions and my hopes and dreams clash with the fact that I've got a child that needs me and I can't actually put work or my creativity first there her needs and if it's to sit down on the top of my head whilst drawing and reading a book and doing all that stuff I have to give her that attention otherwise she'll be on the wrong side of whatever line yeah yeah but that's so hard isn't it like I remember I'm I breastfed and and you know even though so many most people were like that's weird that's disgusting why are you doing that um but I was quite strong about that one I was like no decision we've made anyway I remember breastfeeding um and being on the loo, going for a wee, and being on the phone at the same time. Was <laughs> it was a business call? Yeah, like I had to do it, and that you know, God never gives you. Well, I believe God never gives you more than you can handle. And I only started my business really when he was born, and I was a bit like, "Why am I doing this? Why? Why am I doing? Why? And why would I decide to do this?" But I had a really good sling, so that helped. <laughs> And my thought was my handbag. I say she was my handbag. So let's go. Because you talk about finding yourself and segue perfection. Um, oh. You're in Finding Alice, a new ITV series. Yes. Can you tell us what it's about and about your character, Yasmina? Yes, Yasmina. Yes. So um, Finding Alice is a new six-part series on ITV starring the amazing Keely Hawes. It's a, it's a dark comedy about a woman whose husband dies and how 
she deals with it, how her daughter deals with it, how everyone around her deals with it. And I've actually asked friends of mine, close friends who have experienced this level of grief with dads and husbands. I've asked them, you know, do you feel like this is a true representation of how it might be? And they're like, absolutely. Because I think in our heads, we would, we sometimes could decide, oh, this is how someone will deal with this type of grief. But what this show does really, really well, and what Keely does really well, is she's not being any stereotype of a woman who's lost her husband. It's so raw and it's so honest. And, you know, those moments where, as an audience, you're watching your laugh, or she'll make a joke, a really inappropriate joke as her character. It's like, yeah, of course there'd be those moments. You know, people asking, you okay? No, I'm not okay. <laughs> you know, I think the way it's written, it's brilliant. And it's so different to anything I've ever seen. And it's the cast are amazing. Like when I uh, went to the table read, I turned up, I was like, this is incredible. I can't believe I'm in this show. Great. Uh, okay. <laughs> Hold on, before we ask about your character, Yasmina, why would you feel like you, I mean, you've had an extensive career, my love. I have, but I've not ever been in anything like this before. The mainstream, is that what you mean? Uh, I don't know how to describe it, and I don't want to seem ungrateful for anything that I have done before. But, yeah, I, I haven't really had many opportunities to do things like this. So I guess, yeah, I still, I am still a bit, like, shocked, surprised, like, really happy to be here type thing like oh because I just didn't assume that I would ever get to what's the this what is this like an ITV drama okay tell us about Yasmina so Yasmina was the assistant of Harry the character who's died mm-hmm. um and she's really fun and really loving and she's really quirky and she's you know, she'll go above and beyond for people she loves. She's like a really good friend. You'd want her to be your friend. She'll look after you. And so she kind of develops this strong friendship with Alice, Keely Hall's character, and her daughter Charlotte, played by Isabella Pappas. And she kind of helps them to find out all about the things that Harry had kept secret from his family and all of these things that are now being uncovered as the series goes on. So she kind of supports them and helps them to find it all out, gets herself in a bit of trouble. But she's mostly, you know, becomes a really good friend to Alice and she helps them and supports them. Yeah. (laughs) Navigating around the spoilers and all that type of stuff. Yeah, trying to. (laughs) I appreciate that. So Yasmina, in this ITV show, mainstream, I think, and big ITV drama, and it's a comedy. I was going to say, do you consider yourself a comedy actress? I feel like your things bear on the side of the funny. That's a really interesting question because I feel like a lot of people think that. And um, I started at eight and a half years old just being an actor. And yeah. for a long time, I just played different characters in different things. So dramas, comedies, musicals, radio, just all different things. And then I think somewhere along the line, maybe I was, it was perceived that this is what I do or this is what I did. And I've been in the business a very long time and I will hold my hands up and say, I've made some very strange and not probably the best career choices because I don't know, I, I allowed other people's professional opinion to help to make decisions, those people to make decisions for me where I think if I'd have had somebody you know, who really was for me or could really help me, I would have made different career choices. 
and perhaps I would be doing different things now, but I'm really happy with what I'm doing now. So, so are you saying that potentially, so would you say that you would have needed a mentor or something like that? Do you have mentors? Like, you, I mean, it's a bit hard, I guess. Yeah, it's so interesting because I used to really look up to different sort of like older actors and I would find, you know, myself, you know, asking them for advice and things. And as I've got older and just navigated friendships and stuff, I've realised that there are a lot of people that I surrounded myself with were very happy for me to be in a certain place and a certain lane and at a certain level. And anytime I tried to almost step out of that or you know, reach up higher, they would not want me to do that and would almost sort of shun me or push me back in that, in that direction. And then I guess I started to believe that that was all I was capable of or all I could do I really really understand that and I can imagine because you said something about you know just letting your career be shaped by mm. other people but there is something about being a black creative in this space especially in the UK where sometimes I feel that and I'm not talking about your just um, your, your choice <laughs> at all at large I feel that some actors we're speaking specifically on actors black actors take on roles because there's this feeling like we don't know what's gonna happen next because of the way the industry is so oppressive to us. Um, and so if you if acting is your dream, you have your moral bandwidth where, okay, I'm not gonna do this, but I will take it as far as this, or I will do everything because effort I need to get to where mm -hmm. I need to get to. So decisions would be made just because of that, rather than yeah. Someone like Den, I'm sorry, someone like Denzel. That's such, so lofty to compare to. Fine, I, I get compared to Denzel all the time. So I mean, I feel like you should. I feel like it's fair, um, but just because you already gave that quote that a lot of actors kind of or people trying to trying to reference to, I know I've referenced it a lot. I must find somebody else to talk about. But he did say, you know, he made that decision where he's not going to play the play the thug or the pimp or anything that looks that detrimental to black men, male stereotypes on screen. And mm -hmm. he'll and then you know he infamously said when he's turned down some sort of role he then got the role for glory and that which went on to be oscar nominated oscar one or whatever so yes my long run yeah um so i think because i came i started as a child and had to navigate my way from being a child to being an adult i miss that chunk that you get maybe if you go to drama school where you're taught to um, approach this business as if you are a product in you know and it's a business so i miss that part so i was almost navigate not saying I've done this on my own obviously I've got great family great friends I've had representatives and stuff but I almost missed that point of understanding my knowing my worth and knowing what I could and couldn't say yes and no to or knowing what path I wanted to go down and how to navigate getting there I feel like sometimes that people who come out of drama school or people who have you know a parent already in the industry or something like that just an influence who can kind of positively help them to navigate the industry they see it differently so they'll they'll go no this is what I want to do and so I'm not going to do those jobs and I'm not going to do those jobs I'm going to do these to get in that, go in that direction whereas for me the attitude you have as a kid is you take everything that comes mm -hmm. and you should be grateful to get anything and so I had that for too long <laughs> and then I realized that I was oh well why why can't I audition for that anymore well because no one sees you as doing that now oh so can I can I contact that person no they will never see you again because you're not blah 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 oh so can I no we're getting someone new and young and fresh what can I do just 
these things. Hey, you can do have one line in that and okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's kind of went like that for a while. I hear that. Do you know, I really I understand that because I, I'm again saying that you're a comedy actress and that children's TV, but I also wondered if, or I have had other suspicions because there when we had when there was that whole visibility on screen, where's all the diversity? It felt like children's TV was not so bad. If you look at the historic history of how black people are treated like children or seen as children, that the easiest place to shove a bunch of black actors and actresses is into the ch children's space. Mm -hmm. Because I, there was a point, especially when my daughter was growing up, there was a lot of, on British TV anyway, UK TV, um, a lot of the presenters and things like that were, uh, were black people. Mm -hmm. And then getting into the grown, more grown up space, dramas and stuff like that, then that's where we had the issue. So I can yeah. understand people like, well, that fits. But also maybe that that also taps into some skill that you have because it's not like anyone who works in children's TV or children's shows doesn't have a talent or isn't suited. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I trained as an actor who can also and a singer and a dancer. And I've only ever seen myself as somebody who is able to do lots of different things. I don't see myself as only you know it's one dimension or only able to do one particular style of thing. I know that I can do so many different things and I think it is who you're represented by does influence things like that and it's only now really really the reps that I have now or that I've I have uh, representatives in America and in England and they make this we have this amazing relationship and they've taught me to say no. L listen that I was literally going to say when was it what was the tipping point for you because for me especially well for me in life when I had my daughter going back to being mothers when I had my daughter there were so many things I was going to say there's so many things wrong with me before my child. <laughs> but there were there were there were there was a strength that I didn't have that having mm -hmm. a child forced me to get right with quick because mm -hmm. listen we've got shit to do yeah. so but when was your tipping point that made you like, I can't do this anymore. I need to be taken more seriously as an actress and I need better opportunities. Yeah, I guess so. It would have been just after he was born that I kind of, it wasn't necessarily I need to be taken more seriously as an actor because I guess that's something I couldn't necessarily control. I think it was more about me understanding my own value and my own worth and going, these are all the things that I've been blessed with being able to do and have have all the things I have and um what what good can I do in the world with the skills that I have like almost finding out like why I exist like why am I here like why has God allowed me to still be alive to this day what is the point in me there must be something other than just you know going about my day so it was more working that out and I think that's that gave me the strength and the kind of everything I needed to just refocus myself in, in my career in that way. And so, yeah, about 2016, 2017, that's when everything kind of shifted for me. I think it's sometimes it's bittersweet. It's like, oh, so life isn't that difficult when I take it by the balls. And so, yeah, it's okay to do that. But we are consumed by fear of what society says, what society thinks about our worth knowing mm -hmm. our place because I think we are as women and being black it does you have this I've got to wait my turn I've got to be quite well some of us have that others are like don't give a damn I'm going to take everything 
And yeah, I'd love to have that attitude. I don't have that yet. <laughs> I want to take everything. No, I don't know. I'm not like that. <laughs> I mean, and I get it. It's, it's, it's a lot to take on and it's a lot to be in control of. And so how did um, Finding Alice come to you then? The fact that, you know, essentially we're having people say, no, that's not for you. Why? Yeah. Well, I changed agents in England and from the get go, they were just just it was just a different experience and alongside my American team who were already just on it they were just already on it and had been for the past few years it was just like just an amazing mix and group and we all just came together and they just from I think I was with them like a week and they sent me these two brilliant scripts and I was like I never get scripts like this This are you sure which part me (laughs) and I'd just done this like (laughs) mad thing I'd taken a bunch of the kids I mentored to LA and uh, with the help of my American uh, team and just done this amazing trip for them to kind of get them out there so they can see what it's like and blah 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 and I was exhausted after these two weeks and I was uh, about to come home and they sent through the audition script for Finding Alice and I was like huh what and then I realised I'd have to learn it on the plane home. It was a night flight because my audition was the next day. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, it was that point where I was like, God, you are good. Like, I've just done all of this for two weeks. I was, just, I was so drained, so exhausted. But these kids were just like, lives made, smiles. And I was literally like, I've got nothing left to give. And then this audition came through and I was like, oh, thank you. And then I was like, but I just need to push through so I can learn it on the plane home. <laughs> so I'm literally like, everyone's asleep on the plane. And I'm like, like, trying to read through every single episode, get the lines down, okay. And then the next day, I remember I just went into town and it reminded me of when I was a kid and I'd go for auditions, you'd go into Soho and, you know, you'd go up the stairs of like an old Soho office down an alleyway and, it, and just the smell of the building, everything just reminded me of like, those days when you'd go for a really cool audition. And I I'd loved the whole, I enjoyed the whole experience going for the audition because I was like, as if I've got this opportunity, I'm gonna have the best time. Went in, I was just so happy. And, and I had, I remember I bought these new shoes from a regular choice and I love a regular choice. I love like quirky things. And, yeah. and everywhere, I, wherever I wear these shoes, people always go, oh, your shoes. And they're either like, oh, they're cool. Or they're like, right. <laughs> And I went in and everyone was like, your shoes. And I was like, they're my favorite. <laughs> and, um, and they're really nice about my shoes, whatever. Um, and then I went in and, and met with the director and did the scenes, yada, yada. But I just, I loved it. I just had a great time. And I just, I thanked my agents and I was like, thank you so much for this opportunity. And yeah, and then they're like, they want you to go back. So then I went back and then I got the job. You got the job, you got the job. But I know also speaking to loads of actors, you have the agent that maybe you come up with that is either brilliant from the jump or not that good. You've got the shady agent kind of stereotype as well. Because I know it's, it's, it's quite a personal relationship and it's one of, it can be awkward. It could be breaking yeah. up with your partner. So how did you, again, you had your strength to say you've got to make changes, but also how do you do that? Maybe what's your advice to someone who's like, my agent ain't doing shit, I need to move on. Oh, it's really hard. I think that you need to trust your gut. So as, even if you get on so well with your agent and they could be your best friend in real life, if you don't feel like you have a good professional working relationship or for some reason you don't feel like your career is going where you want it to go or you feel like you're not on the same page, then maybe that person 
should be your friend and not your agent. But I haven't got the best track record with agents. So <laughs> don't look at me for, as an example. I mean, now I'm like, yes. Yeah, that would be my advice for anyone who's feeling like, mm, my agent doesn't answer the phone to me. Or every time I call them, they're really rude. Or when I say I want to go for this, they're like, you can't do that. Yeah, they're probably not the best person to represent you. It's so like, how dare you be like that when you know what, that you've got someone's life in their hands. And then I know, but, but they also have to make a certain amount of money to pay their assistance, to meet sure. their targets. You know, they've got their own pressures and so, and their own human as well. They work so hard and oh, it's just hard. It's hard for everyone. You're being gracious. The, the, the <laughs> yeah, maybe it's easy for me to say, I don't give a damn. If you're that, you don't get into the industry, then loves. But um, <laughs> tell us about your business because you mentioned it. Um, I'm in my studio now, actually. So I have a, an acting studio for any actors, any age. So actors, you can come here, do self tapes, record voice reels, do it's a creative space for um, creatives. People do photo shoots here, record podcasts, all sorts of things. So we have a studio in East London. The business is called DMA, and we are train we train actors from as young as they want to start up to whenever. The whole reason behind starting the business was I wanted to give young actors everything I didn't have. Yeah. I wanted to be able to fill in all those gaps between, you know, going to class and being talented and going for an audition. I wanted to be able to guide them and support them and be the person I never had to help navigate the industry, to avoid them making the same sort of mistakes I did. And not understanding their worth and their value like every young actor who comes in these doors knows that they're everything they know what they can do they know what their weaknesses are but they're working on those they know who they want to work with when they want to work with them what they've got to do to get there they know themselves and they're not afraid to go into any room and if you ask them to introduce themselves you'd be like okay thank you because they would be like and I can also do this and I can also but not in a in a kind of precocious way like very humble and stuff but they're very sure of who they are and you know I make sure that they aren't just good at comedy for example they yeah. can do do all sorts and they all write as well and they all they can do editing and they I make them explore the whole industry so we have these master classes once a month and I'll have an industry professional come in and talk to them or do something practical with them so they understand the industry, not just from an actor's point of view, but from everyone's point of view. So we'll have a DOP come in, we'll have a makeup artist come in, a set designer, casting directors, directors, producers, all sorts of, of creatives will come in to kind of give them an insight into the industry as a whole. And I think that's that's something that, you know, was missing for me, not understanding everyone else's roles and all the other things I could be doing and I could be learning. Your enthusiasm and passion for it comes through. And I think it's really good that you're filling in a space that you, because you recognise it from beginning to end, inside and out. When I was younger, it was, you have to be able to do everything. Whereas now, we class ourselves like a DMA family. We're all a big family. And everyone comes with their different skills. So like, in a class, I might say, right, you guys are going to create a, a musical piece about blah, 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 using just, you can only use these things to make the sound from. Like, the kid who's singing isn't her thing. She doesn't, she's not going to sing, but she's going to tap on something, you know? So it's like, I'm always encouraging them to know themselves well enough to know, like, I don't do that. But what I can do is this. 
but ev so everybody has their strengths and everyone has their skills and I don't think now you you have to do everything which is great because you can actually go I can't do that but I can do this and then let's bring that in let's bring that in and see how we can make that a part of what we do I think that's interesting because I also believe that creators from marginalized groups might feel that they have to do everything because who knows what's going to stick and what's going to make them successful yeah and I love the fact that what you said that now and I'm not saying you only cater to black creators that come through your space but however it is whoever's from a marginalized group that felt like because the opportunities aren't there gonna have to try and grab everything they can actually hone their skill on one particular or whatever particular thing mm -hmm. or things it is yeah. but hone their craft so that then they can be the best of what they can be instead of trying to spread themselves too thin exactly and do everything. yeah and I'm very big on celebrating each other here so of course we've had young actors and parents who've come through the doors who are just not my kind of people sure. and it's been like a revolving door for them they've come in and they've realized that they're not my kind of people and they have left <laughs> and i'm glad that they've left because i really have created a really sacred like special energy and vibe here and the kids know like you celebrate each other you protect each other you help each other and anybody who just doesn't fit with that it doesn't work out here and i'm fine with that this is my baby. I know your baby shouldn't be your baby, but it is. And I have brilliant coaches who work with me and they will coach the actors for auditions and do their self tapes and things like that. My role is mentoring the elite group that do the masterclasses. So before, of course, when I first started, I did everything. <laughs> literally everything because I wanted to make sure that the foundations of the company and the energy and the tone set was exactly as I wanted it to be and the thing that I love is that people come in and they say that we've never been anywhere like this and I go yes great Brilliant. Brilliant. and and that was when it's really small I, I started off by just doing workshops in different places. So I'd find a venue in West London, I'd do a workshop, advertise locally, people would come. And then, and it was for anyone. If you're passionate about acting and you want to be an actor, come. You don't have to have any professional experience. And I would give them scripts from shows that I was in. So Hotel Trouble, Horrible Histories or whatever it might be. And the kids loved working on these scripts from sh shows that they knew. And I gave them a real insight into the industry it was real. I told them really what was expected of them and really how they needed to deliver the lines and really what was being asked of them. And that was something that their parents and they said that they didn't really get in other places, which I thought was great. And then from those workshops, I found kids who I thought were really special and had talent. And I asked them if they wanted to work through one-to-one -one coaching and mentoring. So I did that. And then I just started getting phone calls from casting directors and directors and producers. And they were like, um, is it true you're like mentoring young actors? And I'm like, yeah. And they said, and they, they said, if they're as good as you were when you were a kid, can you send them our way? And then agents would do the same. So then I just always had uh the ability to you know find these brilliant kids sort of guide them help them make a sort of plan help them get an agent introduce them to cast and directors which was great and then I guess the business grew and the kids who had never done anything started booking loads of amazing jobs and it was just really lovely so then I had to get coaches on board to kind of help me do everything and it. yeah and now it's great because you know huge Hollywood 
companies productions will call and say please can you coach this kid or get this kid ready for this movie or you know these kids are in a, a final network test for this series can you make sure they're ready or they're going in to meet this director can you prep them or can you oversee this or do you think we've got the right finalists for this part or you know all those different things this is fantastic and so I like I love it I've just well done well bloody done what sentence best describes your life right now sentence or word uh uh um all sorts I want to say, like, you know, like the, the licorice all sorts? Yeah. Kind of like that, because there's just so much of all different things at the moment. Obviously, I've got a child and schooling at home and being in this time, it's strange. But, you know, I still have to go to work. So I'm still, you know, working as an actor. I'm still doing self-tapes. I'm still running the business. I'm still cooking dinner. <laughs> you know, everything. So there's just all sorts happening all the time. Um, so I'd say that would be. That's a good one, all sorts, I like it. Um, before I get into the other getting to know you stuff, there's one thing that I see that every black actor goes through, young Nala or young Simba. Is oh, this... really? Yeah, but like, do you know how many, when I do the, you were young Nala, right, before I got it wrong. I was the first ever young Nala. I knew this. Okay, wait, I'm going to steal this and pretend <laughs> I'm here. So <clears throat> I'm remix this. So okay. every black actor and actress in the UK, I feel has been young Simba or young Nala. And I think young Nala's all must do the um, coming to America bow down praise <laughs> to the original. The first young Nala. <laughs> Introducing Dominique Moore. Dominique Moore, welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> so you were the first young Nala. I was, yeah. Um... Wow. <laughs> and people listening, I just stole that because I totally forgot and <laughs> intros to that. But I, yeah. yeah. It was one of the best experiences of my life. It was epic. Like, um, so yeah, it wasn't just me, it was me. I, I did the opening night and things like that, but um, Natalie Emanuel was young Nala, Pippa Bennett Warner was young Nala, our Simbas were Luke Youngblood, Daniel Anthony and Ross Coates. And we just had the best time. We auditioned for like a year to get in that show. And it was just How everything. How old? I don't remember. Maybe 12 or 13? Oh, okay. And we just had our 20 year anniversary. Yes, because you were, we, we saw you on the red carpet or the yellow carpet. So, um, oh, yeah, so that was, yeah, for the movie. Yeah. We had the movie. And then in the October, we had the 20, it was 20 years since the opening night of the, the West End show. And everyone sort of came back, Paulette Ivory, and everyone came back. It was magical, like so magical. I can't, I don't have the right words to describe that. It's one of those things that, do you remember E! True Hollywood Stories? Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Why don't they do those anymore? I used to love those. I feel like if I if they ever revived E! True Hollywood Stories, <laughs> why do I think I'm Hollywood? Hold on, hold on. I mean, it's fair. I mean, this is your life. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? Yeah. I don't even know that you're old enough to remember that, but yeah, it would be the Red Book. This it would is be, wouldn't it? It would be one of those moments with Jesus the Lion King. Yeah, it is. 
that's so cute. And I, because that was, I think we had that conversation um, when at the Lion King premiere, the film yeah. premiered. Oh, by the way, did you get to see Beyonce and Jay-Z? I didn't see Jay-Z, but I saw Beyonce. I was close enough to potentially just say something, but not, but I didn't because I thought, what on earth could I possibly say that is not going to be silly at this point? <laughs> I was the first Nala. As if I would have thought of that at the time. I was like, oh my God, Beyonce. <laughs> I literally like, by the way, you're following in my footsteps, woman. Oh yeah, I definitely um, should have just said that. Oh, why did I? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, girl. That was the opportunity to let Beyonce know who you Well, were. next time I see her, I will. Yeah. Just make sure you say it like that as well. By the way, you followed in By the way, BTWB. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, and just just as a note, because when I was building the British Blacklist database and I was looking at everybody's careers as I was putting everybody into the database, it's like young Nala, young Simba, young Nala, young Simba, young wow. Nala. It's like a rite of passage role. Obviously, it's an African story, so obviously the characters don't have to be black. But it's just interesting that pretty much most actors and actresses from the UK, black actors and actresses who went through stage school or something like that, uh -huh. went through the process of being. That's it's amazing. And it's amazing when we saw it at the 20th anniversary, there were things that the actor playing young Nala did that I created. And I was like, I'm going to cry. See? Oh my God. Because it was just things we do in rehearsals. And, you know, Natalie Pippa and I, we all had our own versions of her. And so when I watched this actor, I was like, oh, I'm so excited to see her version. And I guess they don't do that anymore. I guess they teach you what we did. Yeah. And I was like, Listen, literally, oh my God, I would copyright, I'd do something. I'm like, you have to meet Beyonce and tell her something. I don't care. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I'll just write it down with my to-do list. <laughs> that first thing, we'll meet Beyonce and telling everybody, I'm the young nun, you learn from me. You're doing Can you imagine if I were to start telling people that? <laughs> I mean, I'm very <laughs> Can you do it for me? Yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it. Be my publicist, great. You go around, tell everyone. That's literally gonna be on the blurb. First young Nala, by the way, I spoke to her. Forget everything else you're doing. <laughs> But um, no, it's, it's amazing, it's amazing. And so tell me a book that you must have in your collection wherever you go. Uh, I guess The Secret. Okay, that's fair. It got me through a lot. It's got me through a lot, the law of attraction and stuff. So I would say The Secret. That's quite basic though. I feel like everyone's gonna say that. Um, no, they don't actually, lots of different uh, books. Yeah, I guess that's like a staple. That's right. Uh, but I do love reading. I found that more of a challenge now I'm a parent. So it's I, all audio books. Can you do audio books? I've been really, because I'm a real stubborn, I'm just looking at my bookshelf. My books are plenty. I was an avid reader. And I feel like now I've become a journalist that reviews lots of film and TV and stuff. Yeah. I can't read anymore because I'm watching stuff all the time. And I'm, I picked up a book the other day, have started reading it, but where I'd never have left it for this long before. I, you know, it's like sporadic days. So mm. I'm very upset with life. Yeah, it's a challenge to sit and read. I remember being a kid, we didn't have the internet when I was first an actor, or mm. when I was first, when I was a kid. Um, so I lived in the library. Me too. And you did as well? Me too. And weirdly, apparently I started reading when I was three. Me too, so I got twins. Yeah. Basically the same person. 
Um, and so my mum tells me that the library would have to order new books for me because I'd read everything in the children's wow. section and I would act, like act out the story and then do my own version of the story. Wow, you took a long way deep. Okay. Yeah, and that's when I was like, oh, she's... Um... So then as I got older, I would always... The library was just my special place. I would always be in the library and that's just where I felt safe. I just like being on my own with a book. So say, for example, I'd go to do a dance class that say Dance Works opposite Selfridges, there would always be a water stone. There was a water stone there. So I'd always go and sit in there and, and read and I'd always be in a bookshop or in a library. And that's something that I really miss. <laughs> I, I Literally, we would have been two little book geeks together because oh. same, 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 libraries all day long. And But, but then the thing for me, yes, I'll admit, I'd be a bit of a library stealer because if the book was good, because I would reread. And so I can't give this book back, can I? So I've started, to, I became the buyer. I buy, I would buy books in the end. I was yeah. like, okay, libraries don't work. And I started to get a bit eked out about who'd read it before. So yeah. I, I my favorite bookshop of all time was Borders. That used to be- Oh, awesome. Borders. How it became a new, when it became, a, I think it's a new look now, and I will say it. I was so like a whole beautiful Borders is now yeah. retail shop. I was so vexed. It didn't that, make sense, yeah. I, and I used to like to sit down on the floor and just read a bit of the book to see if I'd buy it. I, it's yeah. Like, oh, I'd love opening like opening the book and smelling what the book yeah. smelled like. Yeah. I, I remember, like, when I was a kid, uh, after school, kids would be like, are you going chicken and chip shop? I'd be like, I'm going library. Exactly. <laughs> book geek. Oh, it's, it's fine. It's great. It's brilliant. You're going to be like, I'm going library. Yeah. You're going library now. I'm going chicken and chips. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was my thing. Reading all day long. Yeah. Consume and consume and reread and reread. Yeah. But not so much no more. But um, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Okay. So an album or a song that your friends know to put on and it will have you break dancing down the streets or back flipping in your bedroom. I don't know. Well, I need to see who what the um you know that song uh I'll get teams from my friends so much, but I don't even know who sings this. Hold on. Okay. It's this one. Oh, yes. Flowers, that's it. Flowers. That's the one. If that comes on, I'm like, ah! <laughs> And I don't even know why. Maybe it's like, I don't know. I don't know. My youth. Are you a garage head? Were you like in all the garage raves? Yeah, but this is the thing, right? So... When I was a kid, nobody wanted to get off with me when we'd go to these like under 18 raves. No one. I was not nobody's. Oh. No one wanted to kiss me. <laughs> of course they didn't. <laughs> and, um, so I'd always go to these like under 18 raves with all my friends. And I never, I could never like get on board. I would never be able to understand what the songs were saying because it was really fast. Bless you. Apart just... from like, you just want to be in the library reading a book, to be fair. Yeah, exactly. So I'd be there, like, just dancing on my own while my friends would, like, be kissing boys. And I'd be like, <laughs> you know, and I'd pick up one or two words. Bless you. You're so cute. That's a good tune to be with my friends. Oh, I love it. Okay, what TV show or film, when it comes on, you don't give a damn. You'll watch it regardless. Like, you've seen it a thousand times before, but you'll just re-watch it because it's just that means that much to you. Oh, there's so many. That's what, what, okay, at the moment, I'm obsessed, like obsessed with This Is Us. 
Okay, fine. Obsessed. How do you cope with it? Because I have to give it breaks and I haven't been revisited it because the crying, the crying. I cry all the time. Good. That means it's amazing. Like, so me and my friend Cleo, we're like obsessed and we're we're those people who like text us, we're watching it and like, no, pause, we need to discuss. Like, we're like that when we watch it. And um, I just think it's one of the the best things ever created because it's so real and it's so heartbreaking and there are so many there they just I love that they go back into the past and they add something you're like oh that makes so much sense how did they oh you know it just blows my mind I just love it <laughs> I'm so behind I've, I've got I have to do it in bursts and then I could okay so tonight I'm gonna cry tonight Matthew I'm gonna cry yeah now. yeah just go just you have to accept it but yeah. it's just so beautiful. And I just think they're all, and I think they're all really those characters. Yeah. It is like, and as an actor, I should know that. But like, and I'm like, no, they are, that's them. That's real. This is a real family. It's, it's real. It's so believable. You just really can touch and feel them. And I think that's oh. why they make me bloody cry. Exactly. Yeah. So that would be my current. And then I guess a classic, a classic, um, oh, there's just so many. Um, I could pause you like you're really busy or you know you've got something to do or you know you've got to go to sleep but it's on tv and you're like oh my god I can't I have to watch it if it's if it's something that was old that's like well it's just anything that's just like yeah and I'm, like for me which is I've got Devil Wears Prada anything to do with different world mm. and oh god there's another one that I was will watch from beginning to end no word for word House Party, if that's on, oh. oh God, I have to watch that. I mean, it's never really on in the UK, but. Mm. Okay, go- so, yeah. um, I mean, I'm just trying to think what. Okay, so my ultimate, okay, no. Uh, right, so Hairspray, the original. The original, the oh my Pretty God. Late. Yes, okay. yes. I used I'll to batter that. that. I had it on video, but I don't know where it is, but yeah, I used to batter that. And then something like, and this is a bit controversial because I watched it when I was a kid, but like Band of Gold. Oh. <laughs> do you remember that? I do. The, the, it was like the prostitutes, right? Yeah. And Kathy, that's Kathy Tyson. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, young lady. I, yeah, but... <laughs> I know, I said it. Cheers. It's a bit controversial. Okay. But like, for me, that yeah. was like proper active. That was like raw, real. And because I did um, that show Paddington Green. Yes. And I got to work with Jackie, um, who was a prostitute. uh, And she was one of the people in the documentary as well. I feel like I was just so fascinated by that, you know, and intrigued by her life. And she was very open talking about what she did and how she lived her life. So I don't know. I remember watching Band of Gold being like, this is this is this is drama. Yeah, and it was. It was really good as well. And if that was on now, I'd be like, I have to watch it again. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Someone said the other day, I can't remember who it was, and they said um, they should have like UK, what's it, UK TV Gold or whatever. Yeah. With all the shows on it, but also the adverts from that time as well. Oh my God, so true. That would be amazing. And you would just sit there and feel like you were in the past. Yeah, no, that is so true. That All the sense. adverts. Yeah, it was a thing. They were a whole thing in themselves. So many. And I think I'm about 44 million years older than you. So you're, yeah. you're probably you're probably not. We'll, we'll do this off air. But yeah, I'm, okay. sure, <laughs> I'm sure 
but my grandma taught me this she's like you are however old you feel yeah for real and I feel ever and so she's like 88 on her deathbed being like I'm gonna eat do I look sexy grandma she's still 21 in her head I'm like good for you it is that you gotta keep it young okay what's the first thing you saw on stage that had a the biggest impact on you and stage means it could be a play it could be a concert. oh yeah it was um well me and my sisters called it the black cinderella but i don't know if that's what it was called but it had felicity ethnic in it and it was like a, i guess a panto it was at shepherd's must have been at shepherd's bush when it was shepherd's bush empire i think i was so young but i remember watching it going that's that's proper theater that oh. is proper theater <laughs> like that 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 was and felicity ethnic and i was like I want to be that Felicity Ethnic. Oh, bless. Yeah. That was one of the first things I saw. Um, and every time we go to the theatre, I'd be like, Mum, how do I get on stage? Can I Can I just go down? Do you think if I go down now, they'll let me get in? My mum be like, no, no, child, no. That's so cute. And what's made you sad, mad and glad this week? Sad? Well, relates to The Lion King. So one of my chaperones from The Lion King, Janet, who there are thousands of children who know Janet and love Janet. Janet was like firm, but she's one of the funniest people you will ever know. Her and um, there was three of them, so Janet, Jean and Kathy, chaperones, who they basically dominated the chaperone industry when I was a kid. Wow. You would turn up to every job and they were there. Wow. And you'd go to another job and they were there. And then another, and they were there. Wow. <laughs> it was, oh, and, and, and Ted, is Kathy's husband, he was there. Janet passed away yesterday and I'm still in a, sh- a lot of shock because Janet, you know, was my childhood. She was yeah. there. She yeah. was there and she and and poor Kathy, you know, like we were messaging yesterday. She's like, we were a double act. And I'm like, you were. And you got us all through so much oh, as kids. So when I think about like mentors or people who have guided me, you know, they pretty much did my GCSEs for me because I was at work all the time. Oh, bless. <laughs> Any coursework, they were doing it in the dress room. That's made me really sad because I'm like, the world has lost Janet. I'm glad she's not in pain. And, you know, to know that she's left such an impact on all of us and we all will have such happy memories of her yeah, sure. is, is amazing. She will live on in our memories and in our hearts forever. What was the next one? Mad. What made you mad and then glad? Do you know what makes me mad? people bringing each other down sure i guess that's just something that's made me mad for my whole life because i think so unnecessary because i i really do believe there's more than enough for everyone of everything there is no like little uh sheet which is saying like oh there's only five of these and ten of you know there is more than enough for everyone and i think so many people operate in this space of like lack of or like oh I, i need that and i need to take that from someone else and i just Oh, it makes me so mad every day when people are like bringing each other down or they'll just be, you know, circulating in this like green mist of negativity. It makes me mad. What made you glad? Glad this week. I'm glad to be alive. I'm glad to be able to still function and do everything despite the state of the world. Honestly, like I wake up this morning, I woke up and my son had made me breakfast. And I was like, so cute. It was three biscuits and an innocent smoothie. That's very cute. And I was like, thank 
thank you. And then I said to him, you know, I really like that you've chosen these biscuits. I really like and in our house, everything's sugar, refined, sugar-free. So we have everything's accessible for him to get like biscuits and stuff because they haven't got too much nasties in them. And I said, I really love that you've chosen the, the biscuits that I like. And also you've given me a smoothie that's got vegetables in it. And I really love, and he was so proud of himself. <laughs> Oh, that's so cute. That's made me glad. Oh, that's so cute. I love the best start to the day ever. I'm gonna call my child. Look, she could cook a whole big brunch for me, and she has a. <laughs> I'm gonna shout at her now. Yeah, because she's got twenty-year-old stuff to do. She's I trying to live her life. You're glad to make me mad. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> and literally i'm like no this, who is this woman don't doesn't matter i just want nothing. oh I no want be happy. <laughs> um thank you dominique how where could where and when can we watch finding alice so finding alice is on itv every sunday at 9 p.m um but if you need to catch up or you want to binge watch all the episodes you can go onto itv hub or britbox and you can watch it all and even i guess even more importantly how can we get ourselves down to DMA or send our kids down to DMA art? Well, you can uh, go to the website, which is dmalondon.com, or you can send an email. <laughs> I'm so old fashioned. You can go onto the internet, www. <laughs> what com? No, um, or, on, or on like, on Instagram, go on Instagram, it's, DMA underscore LDN. Yeah. Well, guys. Oh, can wait, wait, I wasn't prepared for this question. I, I mean, let me get the exact information and then I'll do it again in a way that doesn't make me sound like I'm 900 years old. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, okay. So, hi. So, where can we, um, <laughs> where and how could I become a better actor? under your tutelage young lady oh you can come to dma so either go onto our website dmalondon.com or on instagram we are dma underscore ldn look at that oh perfect we didn't even do that twice see i'm i'm good at i'm good with a the rehearsal there you go and that's proof and evidence what you'll get with dma training no don't no <laughs> the thing is the, the kids at dma right they come out, not come out because they're still here, but they are like uh, refined, polished humans, age 12. <laughs> and I love it because they inspire me. So I give them everything and go, right, go to your audition or go to your job with all this. And, they, and then next week they'll come back and I'll be like, I need to be more like you. <laughs> that, that is amazing, yeah. It's amazing because it's like, oh my God, you've been here before. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're really special. Thank you so much for your time, my sweet sugar pie. Thank yeah. you. I hope I've given you some something. No, I'm going to call you tomorrow and just do it all over again.